Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. Today I'm going to be focused on football, just kind of wrapping up the season. Really disappointing bowl loss, obviously, for the Hawkeyes. It's taken me a little while to even want to sit down and talk about that one. Um, basketball team is is struggling a little bit. Pretty decent game against Wisconsin the other night. They just couldn't hold on for a road victory. And so a couple of really important Big Ten home games coming up, and I'm going to talk more basketball later on, maybe next week or down the road a little bit. But let's focus on football today. And again, that bowl game, you know, everybody saw it. It was just really disappointing. Number 17, Iowa, coming in at 10 and 3, Big Ten West champs facing number 21, Tennessee, who was 8 and 4. And, you know, they had a tough schedule. Their four losses were against some really good teams. But, man, they lost so many guys to the transfer portal. Really thought that that was going to hinder their defense quite a bit. And that's where I thought the Hawkeyes were going to be able to pass the ball more than they have. You know, they had three starters that hit the transfer portal and and only two of the five starters back for the bowl game. Uh, they, They lost their best rusher on the edge to the transfer portal. But obviously, holy cow, did that defensive line just own the Iowa offensive line. They had some really talented guys, it seemed like. I don't know whether it was pass protection or run blocking. The Iowa offensive line really seemed to struggle in this game. And I don't know if it's on them. I mean, is it on them or is it just on just the horrid play calling in this game? I mean. It after that first drive, there was just not much left. And on the offensive side, Tennessee, you know, had their their star running back opted out, and they had some obviously really talented guys. Their senior quarterback, who played all season long, opted out, and they elected to, or they they started a five star true freshman who looks like he's going to be really good. I mean, he looks like he's an NFL prospect. In a couple of years, obviously, he didn't pass the ball a ton, but boy, he's mobile, six um, six. He could tuck it and really go, and and made some nice passes out there as well. He could sling the ball. So, this was not Iowa's game by any means. Started out okay. I mean, I just there's only one drive in this whole game I even want to talk about because it, it looked like the Hawkeyes had a bit of a chance after a really bad punt by Tennessee, given the Hawkeyes good field position, and they went on a 10-play, 43-yard drive, so they're not exactly you know, getting any big gainers there, but, but they got down to the Tennessee four-yard line, first and goal at the four, and then you know, run for loss of one, run for a gain of one. Interesting, Kamari Moulton played fair amount in this game the freshman true freshman running back but on third and goal Deacon Hill had his pass intercepted you know instead of getting seven points instead of at least getting three points I'm sitting here thinking man this is another one of those first and goal inside you know the five yard line where the Hawkeyes are gonna have to settle for three points they don't even get that opportunity Deacon Hill just throws it right into double coverage, stares down the receiver the whole time, and it was picked off. And, you know, after that, 
73-yard touchdown a couple series later for Tennessee on seven plays, just dicing up the Iowa defense. Then an 11-play, 68-yard touchdown. At that point, you just figure the game's over. And it's frustrating to have a team down by 14 points, and you pretty much just know that the game's over. There's no way that the Hawkeyes are going to be able to put up enough, put up enough points to come back from being down 14, especially because Tennessee's having some success and has the ability, obviously, to, to move the ball and put some more points on the board. But the next disaster that happened for Iowa was Deacon Hill being sacked. You know, he loses about five yards down to the two-yard line and fumbles. And Tennessee returns it. Two plays later, they go two yards, touchdown. It's 21 nothing. Then you just know that, that this is just getting uglier and uglier. And it does on the next drive for the Hawkeyes. Pick six for Deacon Hill. He's just staring to his left, throws it right to a Tennessee defender, picks it off, runs down for the score. And, you know, the Hawkeyes just had a couple of, couple of other drives where they, you know, moved the ball a little bit and, and turned it over on downs, couldn't put any points on the board. And then Tennessee with another touchdown to clean it up, 35 to nothing. The Hawkeyes shut out three times this season. You know, they, they should have been 11-3, and three, obviously got robbed against Minnesota on the punt return. Touchdown that was called back by the replay ref, the great Cooper DeGene. But the Hawkeyes, you know, in, in those three true losses, they didn't score a single point. And in every one of those losses, they had a point early in the game where they were kind of driving down the field, turned the ball over, and that's it. You know, once they turn it over or, or have a big play against them, you know, in special teams or, or whatever the case may be, once that adversity started piling up, there was just no way to dig out of it for this offense. Just over the last few years, it just really seems like the Hawkeyes are playing a, a top 10 type team. They just don't have the talent on offense. They don't have the they don't have the play calling. They don't have the playmakers on offense to be able to compete in those games. And the defense usually, you know, keeps it close for as long as they can. And when the offense just isn't getting anything done, the defense can't. You know, they can't keep putting fingers in the dike. They run out of fingers at some point, and and the water comes through, and, and that's the end of the game. I mean, the Hawkeyes only had 11 first downs in this game, 2 of 15 on third down efficiency. Tennessee had 25 first downs. Total yards, 173 for Iowa, 383 for Tennessee. The Hawkeyes with the worst offense in college football. Really embarrassing. I mean... I don't know how two years in a row they could have an offense this poor and how they let really the offensive coordinator come back after what happened last season. And obviously there was been there's been some things that have gone against that offense this year with with penalties and things like that, but sixty yards passing for the Hawkeyes, one fifty one for Tennessee and rushing. Hawkeyes with 113, 
232 for Tennessee. Just a, you know, really tough game to watch, unfortunately. You know, January 1st, but there were some good games later in the day, and so you were able to kind of just watch those games and think, man, what if the Hawkeyes had some sort, even close to an offense like these other teams were watching? But the, the true freshman for Tennessee, Nico, I'm not even going to try his last name at this point. He was 12 of 19, 151 yards and a touchdown passing. He rushed for three touchdowns. Elusive, talented. He looked, he looked the part. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch him over the next couple of years. Deacon Hill, just 7 of 18, 56 yards, two interceptions. Seems like a great guy, great teammate. Marco Linez finally came in to, to relieve him, and he struggled passing the ball just two of seven for four yards. You know, obviously he was thrown in a really difficult situation against Tennessee in a bowl game, hadn't played all year. But, boy, he was mobile out there. He made some plays with his feet, and when the pocket broke down, which it did time and time again, during this game, that offensive line was so porous. They just could not keep the Tennessee defenders out. He scrambled when he had to. He had six carries, 51 yards, made some really nice plays with his feet. Caleb Johnson, he was the leading rusher, Marco was, and just six carries. Now, Caleb Johnson had seven carries, 34 yards. LaShawn Williams, six for just 17 yards. I, I can't wait for a new offense to come in for the Hawkeyes. Deacon Hill ended up carrying the ball seven times. That That's obviously mostly sacks. I think he had one scramble with positive yards. Minus 10 yards. His pocket awareness is not there. His mobility is not there. I mean, he's overweight. He can't move around in the pocket very well. So it's it's frustrating to watch. You know, again, great guy, great teammate, but I don't know how they stuck with him all year the way he's played. I really would have liked to have seen Joey Labus. I don't know what the situation is there. There has to be some situation because he looked better in the bowl game last year against Kentucky. Now, Kentucky wasn't as good of a team as Tennessee, the Kentucky team that the Hawkeyes faced last year, but at least he was mobile. He could put some touch on the ball, and too bad we didn't get to see him. Good seeing Marco a little bit, and then hopefully he'll be getting ready as the backup Cade McNamara next year. There's been a lot of rumors swirling about an Oregon quarterback coming to the Hawkeyes. Apparently, he has committed elsewhere. I believe Tulane is what I heard, and not even making the visit to the Hawkeyes now. So, uh, as of this point, it's Cade McNamara, it's Marco Linez, it's Deacon Hill, um, and then the, the, the freshman, incoming freshman, James Rezar. And, and he's a, another guy that's mobile. So I'd put, hopefully, uh, hopefully him at third, third string and, and have a couple of mobile quarterbacks. And hopefully, man, next year, if they don't bring somebody else in, Cade McNamara is going gonna to have to stay healthy for the Hawkeyes. Defensively, you just look at Jay Higgins. What a season. He's tied for the, the most tackles in a season now. 171 tackles on the year. Obviously, because of the offensive woes, he had to be out there way too much. You would have liked to have seen him uh, having 
fewer defensive snaps. He had 16 tackles in this game, a sack. Nick Jackson, 11 tackles. So he ended the year over 100 tackles as well. I, th- I believe that's his fourth year in a row for 100-plus tackles. And you go back to the last three years at Virginia, just amazing. And then you start looking at, at some of these guys and saying, who's going to be back next year? Obviously, Jay Higgins is back. Nick Jackson, we haven't heard yet. I could see him wanting to take a run at the NFL. I don't think he's 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 not your prototypical linebacker. He's not tall enough, but it will be interesting to see if he tries to play for the Hawkeyes. You know, goes for it one more year and uh, tries to become the leading tackler in NCAA history. He would need a little bit over a hundred, I believe, tackles, maybe 110, 115 to get there, which is a possibility. I mean, like he had over a hundred tackles this year and he was just learning a new offense and then there's Sebastian Castro that's a guy we haven't heard from yet and he had a heck of a season hard-hitting player playing the cash he can play safety uh, really talented but will he want to try his hand in the pros will he see if he can get drafted in the NFL I'm sure he's waiting for some evaluation and just trying to get everything in order and figure out what he wants to do next and then Quinn Schulte is another guy that the Hawkeyes don't know if he's going to come back and use the COVID year. Is he going to dip his toe into the NFL, try to get maybe a free agent deal, make it on a squad, make it on a practice team? Who knows? Uh, maybe he'll want to do that and be done with football. Go on into coaching. Uh, his dad is a coach, and, and maybe that's something he's, he's interested in. Jamari Harris did announce that he is coming back for COVID year. He is going to try to improve at the cornerback position and and he knows that working under under Phil Parker is a way to improve and and hopefully help his draft stock going into next season. Now we did hear Cooper DeGene is officially going to the NFL and no shocker there. I mean he's going to be a first round draft pick. I'm sure that's what everybody's been telling him. And the money that they make in the NFL as a first-round draft pick. He really couldn't pass that up. I'm disappointed just because I love watching him play. I love watching him in the black and gold. He's an incredible cornerback. He's an incredible punt returner. And if he could have come back one more year, he might have had his name put on the, the stadium. But maybe they'll do that anyway. Maybe they'll change the criteria there at some point. And, uh, and he, you know, he's one of the all-timers. He's just... And you don't get to see guys play for even you know four years. It's it's difficult. Uh, he's just in his third year for the Hawkeyes. Just finished up his third year. So, man, he could be so good next year. But it'll be fun watching him play in the NFL as well. On the offensive side, Luke Lachey did announce that he's coming back. That is huge for that offense next year. You know, hopefully a healthy Cade McNamara. Uh, now you've got your tight end along with Addison Ostranga. You've got a stable of running backs. All of the offensive linemen are back. And, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been frustrated with the offensive line, but is it the offensive line's fault? Is it the scheme? Is it the play calling? You know, we're not running. I think every defense knows what Iowa's going to do. We're trying to execute. I keep hearing that. We're trying to execute better than them. There's talk about 
Iowa's offense being so complex. That frustrates me. Offense does not need to be complex. They need to simplify things for the players, put them in a position to be successful. They need a lot more misdirection. You know, the defense shouldn't know what play we're going to run when we line up. And I think that happens today. They know when we're going to pass the ball. They know when the Hawkeyes are going to run the ball. And it makes it really hard on that offense. I don't like the, the patterns the wide receivers run. Not enough crossing patterns. Not enough quick hitters. The, the screen game, for some reason, to the running backs just is not there at all. I think they must just tip the defense off. The defense seems to know every time where the Hawkeyes are running a, a, screen pa- a screen pass to the running back. So it's going to be so interesting to see who the offensive coordinator is. You know, It's been a rough few years watching this team, especially the last couple. Wow. And, uh, and can't wait to get a new leader the offense in there you know I was I was delusional I thought that these quarterbacks now they all have a guru they go to you know in the offseason that's gonna get the fundamentals and then they had John Budmeyer on and John Budmeyer as an analyst is gonna be able to work with these uh, quarterbacks but they really need an on-field quarterbacks coach someone who's played the position and and someone that can can be coaching them up all throughout practice on the field during games. And and so that's something that the Hawkeyes need to get in place this year, either with the offensive coordinator or hiring somebody full-time to be a quarterback's coach. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But I I mean I'm really looking forward to next season when you think about having a new offense, hopefully. It just depends on you know how much Kirk Ferentz will let the offensive coordinator deviate from how he likes t- to have things done. Hopefully, it'll be somebody that he has you know, trust in that that has had success in the past, and, and they can they can write things on that side of the ball. Just one last thing before signing off, I wanted to talk about briefly is how the Hawkeyes were able to sign twenty one players in the early signing period here, and how impressive that is. You know, these players were all committed to the Hawkeyes. They learned that Ryan Ferentz was not going to be the offensive coordinator. They don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. So let's start there on the offense. The Hawkeyes got signed commitments from four offensive linemen, two running backs, two wide receivers, which they need desperately two tight ends, really talented guys, and a quarterback as well. And again, these guys don't know who their offensive coordinator is going to be. But I think the recruits all loved each other, hanging out with each other. They like the team. They love the culture at Iowa. And they have confidence that Kirk Ferentz is going to get this thing going. And, and there's a lot riding on this offensive coordinator hire for Kirk Ferentz and his, his legacy and gosh, I'm really hoping he hits a, a hits a home run with this one. Well, of those 21 players, there's also four defensive linemen. Kelvin Bell is one heck of a defensive line coach. Putting guys in the NFL is helping that. And they've got a couple of former uh, kids of former NFL players in that defensive line class that's coming in. Three linebackers: Seth Wallace, 
has been doing an incredible job developing linebackers, a couple of defensive backs, you know, guys that Phil Parker can turn into superstars, hopefully, and, and put them into the NFL as well. And then Reese Dakin, a punter from Australia. And after the success the Hawkeyes have had with Tory Taylor, they went back down under, and they've got another punter coming in from Australia. So it's going to be interesting next year. No Tory Taylor, but how is this new punter going to do? I'm sure it's going to be up and down that first year, but excited that the Hawkeyes have another one from down under in the fold. Well, that's all I have for today. Burr, it is getting cold out. We're getting some snow where I live, and we are fully into January. But hey, the daylight is getting a little bit longer, just a couple minutes every day. And in a couple of months, we'll be, we'll be getting ready for spring break. So time just keeps on flying by, but hope you all enjoyed the holidays and got some time off to be with family. And unfortunately... We did not see a great bowl game, but we've got some basketball to keep us occupied. Fran McCaffrey and his team have a lot of work to do if they want to get to the NCAA tournament. I'll be podcasting a little bit on that next week. And then Caitlin Clark just keeps getting it done. The Logo 3 game winner against Michigan State, just amazing. So, again, uh, Happy New Year, everybody, and go Hawks! Thank you.